Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello there, and welcome to another very Christmassy episode of Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. Did you forget? No. You, you, you were, it's you're pausing for effect. For, for dramatic timing, effect. Timing, you know, something, things that you don't have. Timing, pathos. Are you saying that I don't have timing and pathos? Yeah, 100%. I mean, pathos isn't really something that you need for a podcast, though. Pathos is more like a performative thing. I, yeah, well, you do need it. You, it's, it is a performance. Would you say when you listen to The Arches on the radio that that's not a performance? Well, yes, but that's a narrative fiction. This isn't. That's what I'm saying. If you say so. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you reviewed Speed Racer in a positive light, so that's... A, that's but I guess Not a real I, thing. Yeah, I, that was a performance, I suppose, to some some degree. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did have to add a little sugar to that to make my kind of to sell the thing. <laughs> Same with Batman Returns last week. I had to add a little bit of spice, you know. Wow. Anyway, he the one with no pathos is Callum. Yes, I am. And I'm Johnny. Yes, and he is. Welcome to this week's episode. Yes, welcome. And this will be our final. We've done three, or will have done three Christmas episodes. So we have gone two are out. Two are yeah, two are out, and this, this is uh, this third. is the third one. Uh, so please do make sure to go back and listen to those. Those are really fun. Just to remind you what they were, we had our special one with Dog Brain Video. Yes, um, with a slightly incorrect voice. Sorry to Dog Brain Video, but he was too loud. Um, and a that which we reviewed. Uh, jingle all the way jingle the way and falling for christmas with Lindsay lohan yes the latest the best masterpiece new movie of the year um which but we'll talk about that more next week uh, in our review of the year yes. and um, <laughs> and then last week we talked about alternative christmas movies and me and callum each picked a movie that kind of has something maybe a tiny couple of granules of christmas in there but 
aren't very Christmassy. And we looked at um, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. And yes, and Batman Returns. And I think those were two movies that were sort of special, a little bit special to us, uh, things that are quite important to us. Our they, That's why neither film was new, because we wanted it to be something kind of special for that particular episode. Absolutely. And this week we've got, again, maybe a slightly... To left of centre, left of centre is the wrong word. Uh, slightly left field um, choices. One is and one isn't. Um, we've gone for kind of family stop motion films you can watch at Christmas. One of which is a Christmas movie, and one of which um, is new. Uh, we we talk about this week Pinocchio first off, and then later on the old movie will be The Nightmare Before Christmas. Many people's favourite Christmas movie, I think. It's a, a favourite for a lot of people, certainly. It absolutely is. So that is what we will be talking about this week. But before we do that, Callum, where can people find us on the internet? Well, we are on Facebook and Instagram, Untitled Film Podcast, one word, and you can download this podcast and anywhere that you get good podcasts, like when they say with books, anywhere you can get a good book, you can, anywhere you can find a podcast is where you can find us, Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. And what about... Where can they, um, the, what's the other social media platforms can they find us on? Uh, well, I guess technically we have a Twitter. <laughs> I think there's one post on there. And yeah. it's, um, we, someone, and I still hate this person, took the name Untitled Film Pod because you can't, can't have a longer title than, I think, 15 characters. So Untitled Film Podcast was out. So I went with something like Untitled with C and J and... Maybe it we'll better change good. it soon because Elon Musk is making the minute the tweet. Have you seen this? Elon Musk is going to make it so your tweets can be four thousand letters long. Yes. So maybe he'll let the titles be longer because well, technically four thousand characters because that includes spaces. Oh yeah, well, whatever. Nitpicking it's still here. mental. Still defeats the object. What the what does he know make a micro blogging site? Was it going to be Tumblr? How big are the posts? How long will your feed be? Or Substack like, or something? Bloody, yeah, just bloody essays on there. And people are going to rinse him. They're going to do. They're going to make fun of him. They're going to find ways to use that as a way to take the piss out of him. Yeah, absolutely. It will be. Um, I'm, I, I'm enjoying watching the world laughing at Elon. Or booing him like they did at the Dave Chappelle yes, show. Yes, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Full on Dave Chappelle as well. He's yeah, really like is. Dave Chappelle, what a, but he's, what going a lick a, he's going a bit weird now. What a, what a, what a boot lick. Anyway, on from that piece of cheery news, um, I think we need to move into the second part of our podcast, which is the real news Stop doing that. I've... I've, I've resorted to needing a fire lighter so I can light Callum on fire if he sings. <laughs> and there are opportunities at both films. One of them, I wouldn't say is a full musical, but it has songs. The second one, of course, is a musical. musical. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, anyway. Um, you can go first, although if you take my piece of news, I will be upset. Oh, have you got a biggie? Well, no, I'm pretty sure I haven't okay. got your news today because the one I chose was a little bit uh, personal because this is a TV show that I love very much. So we both are aware of the HBO Max fucking up. I mean, we're talking about Twitter fucking up. You better not have. This is another service that is fucking up. There's a show oh, okay. I love. Okay, okay, good. Called Minx. No, you have. Oh, I have. 
<laughs> they, I, I was going to be at a wider point, but you did do yours, and then I will they had that out for it. Almost completed filming the second season when they decided to cancel it. And now the uh, showrunner, Ellen Rappaport, and uh, Lionsgate, Lionsgate TV, who uh, is the uh, people who put up the money for, for Minx, uh, not the distribution, obviously, because that is at currently, or no, re- recently was HBO Max, and now they're scrambling to find a home for this place. You can't even watch the first season. They've removed it. It's gone. You know, uh, other than Torrance, it does not exist anymore. And now they're scrambling around while still filming this final week. So everybody on the cast and crew, Jake Johnson, Ophelia Loverbond, the whole the whole uh, gang, are really, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to remain in as good spirits as possible. They're, they're putting out these posts where they're, you know, uh, Instagram posts of them kind of enjoying their day on the set. Jake Johnson put out a, quite a nice thing for the cast and crew, talking about how hard they're working and stuff like that. Um, but there is a sense, that tinge of fear, that it might be gone forever very soon. It's really well-reviewed, really spiky, really funny. I watched it. Really good TV show. Um, so hopefully I'm really, really, really pulling for it to find a second home. Netflix, pick it up. You know, someone, pick it up. Someone. Like uh, they did uh, with uh, Tuca and Birdie. Uh, you know, they, they, they had to scramble as well when they lost their home. And eventually, I think it was Adult Swim. Adult Swim might be a good place, although it doesn't usually, it's more, that's more animated. But, you know, someone, please find a home for the show. Roku, so anyone, anyone. Roku's desperate. They'll hoover anything. They, they, they'll, they'll, they won't even ask for money. They'll do it for, for blowjobs. They will. So someone pick this show up, please. So, yeah, that was what <laughs> one of my pieces of news. <laughs> I was, it was, so in a wider context, actually. So it was on HBO Max in the US, although yes. I think it was on maybe another channel or something actually on TV over there. And this is another casualty of this Warner Discovery merger that I've kind of talked about already quite a lot on the podcast. Um, and where there's been a lot of, initially there was a lot of, animation and animation there was also the kind of cancelling of Batgirl the movie and things like that um part of it is obviously them bringing in James Gunn and stuff and trying to get a bit more of a foothold and a bit more control in that whole space um but they've also done some really weird things on HBO Max this week like they've pulled all of Westworld off of there so it was a big thing a few weeks ago they cancelled Westworld um I think four seasons in uh, massive cliffhanger at the end of the last season. Um, it still seemed to have a show that had quite a good, or maybe not as it did in the first couple of seasons, but still had quite a reasonable. It certainly still had its respectable audience. It still had that, that following. Yep. And yeah, and they just pulled that, the whole thing off the service and it's only just finished recently. Um, like you said, Minx and they, that was, they ordered a second season, it was 90% in the can, and they've cancelled that. Um, and there's been quite a few other kind of medium to largest shows that have just been pulled off of that. Now, what's happened when they've done this previously is they've written them off. They've said, well, these aren't making us money, and then where do you find them? Now, yes, on things like Westworld, that's not too bad because there'll be Blu-rays out there and people you know, people can torrent it and stuff. But um, when it comes to smaller shows and things, it will it's interesting to know how and again it's a wider theme through the whole of streaming you know there's probably shows from when netflix first started up that like is lily hammer still on there i don't know it might be it might not be but there's probably shows from when netflix started 
up that maybe weren't massively popular. And I suspect that the rights and the, I've definitely seen it with documentaries and films, the rights have probably lapsed and they've not rebought them. And then they kind of go into some limbo unless someone else buys them up cheap. Um, so it is quite a weird thing. It's that whole kind of thing that people used to always say when they first started downloading music off iTunes and, and things, when they were like, well, we don't physically own it anymore. So what happens if the computer breaks? What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? And the same with people with their digital photos, and you know, if they just keep it on the computer, you know, not having the tangible physical thing. Who owns them? How do you own, you know, what, what, how does it, it's diff, when you, you're, you're effectively renting something long term and someone can always call that renting back in, whereas if you've bought something, then that's yours. They're never going to erase it from history. So it is a weirder, wider point. But yeah, this Warner Brother Discovery merger continues to be an absolute shitter for anyone who actually likes things uh, and watches things and cares about art and just seems to be money men moving numbers around on pieces of paper trying to... I think they maybe have over-leveraged themselves by merging the two companies and now put themselves into a bit of a spiral. Um, and yeah, they don't seem to be doing too great. So It seems to be just a massive shit show. Yeah. It does. It really does. You know, maybe in the accountants' heads it makes sense, but uh, and again, I suppose it, it yeah, comes back to us as, as consumers of art. When something costs a hundred million dollars, it probably ceases really to be art in a lot of ways and becomes um, just a piece of commerce, just a, yeah. another product. Effectively, effectively, um, which is depressing, but but true. Yeah. Probably. It's the way of things at the moment. It is indeed. But yeah, so that was my wider point that makes us on it. I can't believe that was a piece of news that you picked. Well, it's just because I'm a big fan of a lot of the cast. Uh, Ellen Rappaport, is, I've been a big fan of hers for a while. Jake Johnson, I'm a huge fan of, as you know. Mm. So as soon as I, I was looking at their uh, Instagram accounts, going, oh, it looks like they're having a grand old time. Actually, I'm going to have a look on Wikipedia to see just just to cancel. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it said as of December, this has been cancelled. What? I just I just went on their Instagram. They're having a, a grand old time. They're, they're they're you know posting pictures of themselves eating ice cream and pointing at the camera, going, "What a wonderful cast!" What do you mean it's cancelled? When? Well, much to think about. Much it's like I stumbled it. into a parallel universe or something. I know, I know. There's been a few of these recently where there's been quite shows that you think are successful that have been cancelled, and you're like, well, I wasn't expecting that one. You know, yeah. when, when the axe came down on Cowboy Bebop's head, I don't think many people were surprised after the reviews it got in the first week, but when, when the axe comes down on, you know, well-reviewed shows that seem to have a fairly loyal fan base, because you don't really expect shows to have 20 million people watching them anymore. Especially not on cable channels or exactly. on streaming services. Like, Mr. Robot got four seasons with about two million viewers, and I can't imagine that was a particularly cheap show to make, so... No, certainly not. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a weird one, and um, fuck Warner Brothers and HBO. Yeah, fuck them. Well, actually, no, don't fuck HBO, it's not their fault. Fuck Warner Brothers Discovery and the, the merger of them. And that ties nicely into my point last week about fuck off um, what they're doing with, with um, DC... Yes. I feel like in the show we've got certain boogeymans and Warner Brothers, since this Warner Brothers Discovery merger is becoming one of them. It is. Along it, with Elon yeah, Musk. Along with Elon James Musk, Corden, James Corden, um, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, uh, Zach Braff, but more in a jokey way. Because we yeah, only, I actually don't mind Zach Braff. No, actually, me too. I'm perfectly okay with him, but he sort of became the stand in figure for our teenage angst mm-hmm. and the filmmaker who represented that teenage angst. 
And now every It Just Speaks to Me Man film is kind of thought of as a Zach Braff film. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we were going slightly off topic there. Yes. Let's move on to our second pieces of news. So as you stole my piece of news, I'm going to go... I'm <laughs> yeah, actually go ahead. Got, I actually did bring a backup piece of news. So I'm going to go with... Let's do Spider-Verse. So there has been a new yes. Spider-Verse trailer, and it looked amazing. Incredible teaser trailer. Yeah. Well, it's the second one, isn't it? There it was is a the teaser second, already, there has been a, which didn't that, show that, a huge amount, admittedly. This that's one is what I'm wondering, too. Um, it shows more, but it, what it doesn't show, and what usually happens is these are very... This is mm. usually where the plot-based trailer comes in. And this is not a plot-based trailer. No, it's not. There is a... Not a real plot, is there? There's a little bit... You get glimpses of what I assume are the bad guys. I mean, you know he's going into the wider spider universe, and there's more of them, and there's an antagonist yeah. within there. And the mixes of the animation styles look fantastic. Um, yeah, no, it looks it looks really cool. Um, I'm still not 100% clear on why it was delayed. It was meant to be out this year. Um, and actually, I was reading quite an interesting thing on Cartoon Brew today, kind of wrapping up the best films of the year and the winners and losers of the year. And they were saying how, I mean, Sony are useless at just life in general i suppose but um <laughs> but talking about how sony you know had no real major animated films this year because spider-verse got cancelled of course so. of course um yeah sadly illumination was the most successful one studio of the year in animation well they are they're always going thought. to be because of how they operate yeah you know, make them cheap sell them high factor hard on the toys and whack whack out three a year yeah in fairness, Minions, I haven't seen it, but it was meant to be good. I Pretty quite good. Liked the, I, I thought it was all right. I like the other guys, which was DreamWorks, but it still comes under the same umbrella of Universal. Um, and what was the other... There's another one that that's coming out now that um, the Illumination did. did Illumination! Done, done, done. What have they done? It's, something that it's coming out, it's meant to be really good. Oh, oh Puss in Boot. There's yes. DreamWorks, actually, but yeah, it's the same, same group. It's got very good reviews. Really good reviews, yeah. 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 Shockingly enough. I know. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Spider-Verse, very excited. Go watch the new trailer. I think you will be excited too. Um, your second piece of news, Callum. Well, this kind of goes into copyright law, which I know is very exciting and everybody loves a bit of copyright <laughs> law news. <laughs> but do you remember a little while ago you put out a, one of your bits of news was about that Winnie the Pooh horror trailer? Yeah. And they could do that because Winnie the Pooh is very recently, I think as of last year, went into the public domain. Yeah. And so long as they don't stick him in that red T-shirt and have him do that voice, which is very much Disney's part version, of yeah. version, you can do whatever you like. There's going to be a Winnie the Pooh prequel in the works from, and tell me if you're aware of these massive overperforming studios, Baboon Animation and IQI Media. Okay. You've never heard of them, but the name you're also not here of is Disney, because they got no part of this. And that's because this is what happens when things go into the public domain. All the tiny little studios that have no piece of any pie start scratching for the table scraps and kind of putting out... It's like um, Dracula. Like every studio in the universe has put out a Dracula movie or, or whatever it might be not necessarily uh, Frankenstein or something like that, so long as you don't step on the certain look of Bela Lugosi or the neck bolts and the green skin of their version of Frankenstein, anyone can do it. And that's where these kind of tiny little studios, and I always love this, you can always tell when something has just gone into the public domain because suddenly all these cheap, rubbish, mm. kind of shitty versions start putting out like their 
our Winnie the Pooh and like get a little bit tiny little crumbs off the table. There was something else actually that I saw a saw a press release from them studios that I didn't read bother to read their names. And they said something along the lines of of that that they've had something else that's gone out of the public domain recently. They really said that horror version. Yeah, another horror version they or something. They did else. do another horror thing and I can't remember what it is, but a similar remember. similar vein. But yeah, they, they just seem to be a theme that's coming along. I did wonder with Pinocchio as there were two this year, but I feel like that may have just not ever been in a public domain. It might have just always been a public domain. I think thing. it's always just been a fable, so I, I, th- yeah. I don't think it has any grounding. Although they all seem to be, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that, that quite possibly is the case. Cool. And my last piece of news is that they will be doing a US remake of Peep Show. Really? For the fifth time. Really? Apparently they've tried to remake Peep Show five times in the US and <laughs> failed every time. Not, not all of them have got as far even as Pilot, but um, yeah, it's failed five times. And they're having attempt number five, but it has got some interesting people behind it. The, the kind of showrunner um, is, or, um, exec producer is producer on Atlanta and also on What We Do in the Shadows. Um, and it's going to be on FX, I feel like. Well, that's it was shameless good. was on FX, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And that was one of the... Was it Showtime? Uh, oh, no, you're right. It is Showtime. And that was, but it's still a similar type of studio. Yeah, I think, they, I think if it's going to work anywhere, that's the kind of one that could work on. But it's quite a British thing. I've, I feel like it is a concept that you could take. You could, like the idea of doing that behind the eyes thing's not really been done on a US show in the same way that when The Office came out in the US, that no one had really done that kind of cinema verite kind of and now, now it's a, and now then it's it became every everywhere show, even if like the show doesn't really make sense that it's got it like modern family and there's been a recent huge success um from a british remake and did you know that they remade ghosts in the u.s ghosts it's a oh the, the the kids show that with the with the guys from the, like paddington and stuff in it. i mean this show is not a kids show but it is from the people who made Horrible Histories and Paddington. Yeah, it's like a family so, show. It's, it is aimed it's, at families. It's about 12 rated. There is some yeah, sort of cheeky jokes in there. Like it has a Tory politician ghost who isn't wearing trousers because, of course, that's how they died. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and they never explain it. They never get crude or crass with it. But it, the fact yeah. that he's a Tory politician with no trousers on it is kind of all you need to know. So it's that sort of... PG. For anyone don't, who don't know that, or maybe your American audience who don't know, the Tories are the Conservative Party in the UK, yes, yes they uh, and they are, I suppose, are Republicans. Yes. And there was a big thing, and there was a spate in the nineties where um, there was a lot of like sex scandals and things exactly. like that that came out of them, and they were obviously meant to be holier than thou, family values. I mean, for anyone Christian. who has a Republican or a right, whatever country you're listening to this to, whatever right-wing yeah. party that you have. The ones that always tell you that you're morally shit, but then are found out to have embezzled loads of money and doing cocaine off a prostitute. Exactly. They're the ones, yeah. So yeah, that's what the joke is. But no, yeah, yeah. I know that. So yeah, that makes sense that that would work, possibly in the US as well. Do you know something else that they've, they've remade? What's that? Do you ever remember a show called Murder in Successful? The name rings a bell, but I don't think I have, no. So there's a show called Murder in Successful, um, where they would, basically they'd put a, a celebrity with all these people who are acting, and the celebrity had to try help, like, solve a murder Actually, in this place called Successful. I have heard of that. And Will Arnett's remade it in, a, in the States called, I think it was called Murderville. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Is that on Netflix? 
is on Netflix. I, I think I've, I've seen a trailer for that. Um, I've watched the first few episodes. It's quite good. It's not as funny as the, the British one was, but I'm hoping maybe the second season gets a bit more going. Hopefully. Um, but yeah. Um, so that was my second piece of news. And I think that brings us nicely on to talking about the movies of the week. So I Callum, think so. Remind us, what is the first movie we're going to talk about? The first movie is, drumroll please. No. <laughs> it's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. But Hang on, didn't we already review Pinocchio once this year? Well, we certainly did. Uh, earlier this year, there was the Disney Plus released Disney remake of their version of Pinocchio. They're one of their live action remakes with Tom Hanks as uh, Geppetto. Um, this is we thought really good things about it, didn't we? Oh, absolutely. I think what, what did we? What score did we give it? Did we Maybe give it, two or three. I think it may. Yeah, I think it was a two. Um, but uh, this is something that will come into play with both movies because there's a famous director at the helm of both of these films. But uh, they're not the only people on board. And um, this film is called. Uh, the official title is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. And next film, if you look on any poster, it's going to say Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. But this is co-directed by a man called, one second, Mark Gustafsson. Mm-hmm. And he is someone who is, has more of an affinity with um, directing stop-motion animation. So probably, effectively, he was there doing the day-to-day and Guillermo would turn up occasionally and go, make it look like this, or, or ha- make it do this. Maybe he had a, a push on the sort of broader sweep of where the story mm-hmm. went and was more of the story and acting director where Mark was more the animation. Yes, we can't know for certain. No. Um, but yes. It, uh, is, it is interesting, because obviously so it's, it's stop-motion. I don't think we've said that yet. But it's an interesting thing um, that you get these big name people attached to doing these stop motion movies. And I think 90% of the time they're, you know, they, they, they work on the script, they get the voices recorded. Um, and then from that, they, you know, they probably do some of the production design and things. But after that, after a point, it's such a slow and long process. You know, it takes three or four years. They go off and do one or two well, other projects quite, while they're doing it. Guillermo has it had a second uh, project just this year. Uh, yeah. So he he can't have been fully on board. So he may his day to day may have been more of a producer than as a director, but he probably did get involved when he could in direction. So he's probably directed enough of it to warrant a credit. I don't want to sort of suggest that he was completely. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard to know. What, what is a director when it comes to something like you know, is is it's getting a voice acting in or you know or getting some people acting in front of a green screen and then letting the visual effects people do the majority of the work after then you know is that how different is that from from someone who doing a voice role and being heavily involved in the script and the production design and then watching the you know the dailies or probably not dailies with stop motion animation (laughs) probably (laughs) monthlies um, and things and you know at what point do you you take that away from them but no it is an interesting point um it was there was a lot of stuff around tristan oliver talking about wes anderson after the first fantastic or after the first one of those stop motion movies that he did the fantastic mr fox and there was some big arguments and stuff around that, and and yeah, was he um, and how he did it? So no. Um, anyway, go ahead. Tell tell us a bit more about the story. So for those that don't know about what the story of Pinocchio is, well, if you're not familiar with the classic tale of Pinocchio, it's a father and son story with a slight twist. In this one, uh, Geppetto he's he's grieving. He lost his son because the probably the big change that this movie makes and I imagine that this was a Guillermo take because he's touched on similar subject matter before is that it's um moved to 
the early 20th century during the uh, rising of fascism uh, in Italy and uh, Geppetto's son is killed when a um, a plane, uh, several planes drop a bomb on a church that they've been working on because Geppetto uh, works with wood and he's been working in a church making a figure of Christ. They leave late, bomb drops and it kills his son. And one night he drunkenly, kind of while grieving, asking, or kind of crying for his son to come back, he chops down a tree where the, um, oh gosh, he's a, he's a, um, I forget which insect he uh, is. Uh, he is uh, grasshopper. Uh, no, Jiminy cricket. cricket. Jiminy cricket. cricket. Sorry, that in the cricket, name is grasshopper. Same thing. <laughs> and um, that's where that character comes into play. Uh, Jiminy Cricket uh, um, comes into play. He enters the life and ends up being um, the mentor to the wooden boy that Geppetto makes in his grief. And this tree, uh, as of this tree that he chops down and comes to life when the blue fairy um, brings life to this wooden doll in order to help Geppetto get over his grief but of course that road to getting over grief is not quite so easy and I think the big changes other than the uh, fascism angle is that it's a lot harder for Geppetto to come to terms with this because usually as we saw in the previous one it's very much I'm so happy I'm so happy a boy has come to life in this one he does not want this boy uh, but anyway, those are the two big thrusts that the big two changes that have been made here are in those aspects. So before I tell the people what I thought of it, Johnny, what did you make of Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafsson's Pinocchio? It was considerably better than Tom <laughs> Hanks's and Robert Zemeckis' uh, Pinocchio. Yes, indeed um, it was. It did something interesting with the story. Um, it kind of kept the main two or three elements um and did and then around that rebuilt it into something much more interesting i would say um i would would hey would possibly even say it was more interesting the original disney animated one from from what i kind of like as a style Uh, it was very dark in places um to the extent that mussolini is actually in it um, I don't think that's too big a spoiler. It's, it's not. It's I mean, <laughs> given that it's when it's set and yeah. uh, where we are um, in the world. And there's, so yes, there's some quite darkness. It's quite. I mean, he's not particularly dark in it, um, but he, you know, that kind of thing is quite dark. Quite an interesting um, uh, reimagining of the the fairy as well. The is it sand fairy they call it in this one, but quite an interesting reimagining of that and their role and and some quite interesting takes around death that aren't really in the um in the original two i say the original because it's a fable but um yeah around the the other two really enjoyed the animation style it's done incredibly well um it's not the most exciting stop motion animation i've ever seen i think some of the stuff that came out of leica studios is maybe more interesting uh, like kubo and the two strings i really have a soft spot for wes anderson's and what he does with the the weird kind of hair on the things that he has um as well um but yeah, I, I thought the animation was was incredibly well done, um, and uh, yeah, very well lit and very well put together. My biggest single criticism is it's about half an hour too long. Um, it's got two hour runtime, which is quite a long time for a, a family movie. Um, and, I, and there is points in it where I'm like, get on with it, come on. Uh, and they've added some other characters and some other storylines in which I don't think have the emotional payoff that they hope it does. And maybe by trimming those, and again, I don't want to tell too much because we don't want to spoil this one. But yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that that's 
my kind of biggest dislike of it. But overall, it's a very interesting take, very well put together, um, and I enjoyed it. I would uh, agree with pretty much everything you said, actually. I think we're very much on the same page here. Uh, The length is an issue, and I think that does come from slightly, although it is a very interesting aspect, and it works very well, because they've added a whole new plot thread of it being set in Mussolini's Italy, and the rise of fascism, and there are several new characters, as you alluded to, that come from that so there's a father and son character who's a you know a fascist military leader and his son who he keeps on kind of bullying to be a man be more like me and there's a whole new side story that comes out of that um and at times there is a slight tension between the telling of the original story of pinocchio and this new thread while it is very interesting and it's familiar ground for anyone who's familiar with the work of Guillermo del Toro. He's very concerned about rising fascism. He's told it several times in Pan's Labyrinth, uh, The Devil's Backbone. It's an area that he's certainly wedded to. Um, But there is a slight tension, and I don't want to overstate this as an issue because all the, like you said, the main issue that it adds is that it adds about half an hour to too much uh, of screen time. And it does mean that rather than have one boo-hiss villain, which usually in this story is the circus ringleader who who uh, persuades Pinocchio to sign this contract and basically steal him away and, you know, turn him into his puppet, which he is a puppet, but his literal puppet. He's a real boy. Uh, he's a real boy. Um, so you get two villains, both kind of trying to knock heads to be the main villain and it sort of creates a slight vacuum where neither one is the main villain and they both come across as slightly ineffectual side villains but the main thrust the area that it explores of grief is very moving um and i found all the work of david bradley who voiced geppetto sorry no no he, he did voice geppetto um to be incredibly touching yeah uh ewan mcgregor is very good as uh, jiminy crickets um it, it has that lilting quality to his voice and there's a very good recurring gag because of course everyone knows that ewan mcgregor has a beautiful singing voice and he keeps starting to sing my <laughs> father talk and then something happens it, in fact on this podcast is what happens. Someone shuts him down anytime he tries to sing. Yeah, but the difference is you don't have a beautiful singing I voice. I don't have the voice. If only I had the voice of Ewan McGregor. Wow. If only we had many of the talents of Ewan McGregor. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. Yeah, that would be lovely. Thank you. Um, but no, it's funny. It's engaging. The animation is good. But I think another point you touched on, which is very astute, is that it's not as exciting stop-motion animation as Leica. It's not as fluid. Um, I wonder how purposefully jerky it sometimes is. It has a sort of sort of classic, more Rankin Bass, mm-hmm. um, like a very, 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 very polished and very, very high-budget version of Rankin Bass, but it ha- has that very earthbound quality rather than Leica, which moves into different worlds and sweeps into new areas. If I'm honest, like I thought it budgetary. I didn't think it seemed like a style choice to me. Okay. Um, more because there was, I just don't think it was lit as well. I don't think it had as many of the, you know, take all the, take all of that stuff uh, out. Even 
compared to the second film, we're going to talk about the way it's kind of lit and put together. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's I feel like competently it, done. It's incredibly competent. Without good. Necessarily... And, and I was incredibly impressed by like the faces and the way that they, they did the faces. Yes. And you didn't really, on a lot, of, a lot of stop motion I've seen recently, you see the kind of lines around the faces. The seams where they slot in different mouths. I didn't mouths. really see that too much and things. So that stuff was done well. But yeah, I just didn't. I was quite intrigued as well. There's, there's actually a featurette about the making of it on... Um, on presumably on Netflix, on Netflix, somewhere. yeah. And there was a, there's quite an interesting bit, and they had really giant puppets to have to have it next to Jiminy Cricket and stuff, which I don't think normally happens in stop motion when yeah, you have usually a very they're small about character. action figure sized um, those kind of characters. But they have ones that the head was like five times the size of a real person's head, and then had a Jiminy Cricket next to it for certain perspective shots and things. So okay. I wondered if they were trying to do different things in that way and different things with false perspectives and stuff, and in the process of doing that, maybe had to simplify things slightly. Yes, possibly. Um, but yeah, so I don't know the exact reasoning, but yeah, I did think that was... I don't know, it doesn't really detract from it. The story's told incredibly well. And but it's maybe it just didn't have that sparkle. Um, I mean, whatever reason, the animation is kind of nailed to the floor rather than going off into these... You know, extreme worlds and universes and, and fa- flights of fancy. It does make for a very moving, personal, human story, even if it was for budgetary reasons why they had to stay on the ground. Then, uh, then uh, creative decisions. Yeah, yeah. The only answer is I don't know why it was chosen to do it like that, but I did th- think it was something. There was something kind he of it. lacking. He knocked it. For- <laughs> <laughs> I did think there was something possibly lacking. From it. But no, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a worthwhile watch. It's definitely one of the better animated films of the year. Um, and it's if you're going to watch one Pinocchio movie this year... If you have to watch one... Make it this one. Exactly. It's also it. nice to see some of uh, Guillermo del Toro's usual cast member mates. Yeah, come absolutely. Back. Ron Perlman, okay, yep, come back. And David Bradley is Japan. Yeah, absolutely. David Bradley was good, didn't he, actually? I so like David Bradley, Bradley, actually. Me too. Anyway, on that, I think it's time for us to stop for a... Advertisement break. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And whatever they just said to you, buy it. That's my advice. Anyway, on to movie number two. What is movie number two we're going to speak about this week, Callum? It is a story 
Long ago, told only in your dreams. And the play, I can't remember the opening monologue. That was going to be so good, but no, that was shit. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, Rob, leave that in. Uh, it's it's the Nightmare Before Christmas. It is the Nightmare Before Christmas. So um, I suppose I've got to tell you about this one. Yes. It's the Nightmare Before Christmas. There's this dude and his name is Jack Skellington. Tell me more about him. He is a Skellington. A Skellington? A Skeleton, I should say. And he lives in Halloween Town. I think it's called. And he is, he's not the mayor. He's just like kind of, in, he's like the spiritual mayor, the de facto mayor, even though there is he's actually a mayor. He's kind of just the cool guy. Yeah, he's like the Fonz of the town. Yeah. He's the guy that goes around and knocks the jukebox and um, the Monster Mash starts playing. That's his his vibe. And he is the guy that organises every year Halloween for the whole world. Uh, and he goes with his his motley crew of peeps, goes around and um, creates Halloween around the world. And then one year after Halloween, he's having a little lament. The song's actually called Jack's Lament because this is a musical. Um, and he's going around and he's walking around a graveyard and he notices a door that he's never noticed before. And he falls through it and he falls into this pile of snow. And he's like, what's this? And then there's a song that goes... What's, What's this? this? Multiple times. And he goes around and he sees all these Christmassy things and he gets excited and goes back to his town and says, there's this guy called Santa Claus, who has big claws, um, and he goes around and does all this shit in December. And I think we want a piece of that too. Let's get rid of this Santa Claus guy and let's do our own Christmas and we'll make it bigger and scarier than any Christmas ever before. And then that goes on from there. That's the that's yep. the plot of it. It's um, a good one. And what do you think of Nightmare Before Christmas, Callum? Well, this is a, quite an enduring classic. It was just necessary to say that it's flawless, but it's one of those films that you watch it every year, especially our people our age, because we were the right age for the sort of Tim Burton mm-hmm. nostalgia. I mean, we weren't goths or emos ourselves in secondary school, but we knew people that were. We were friends with a lot and of they them. they had bags. And they the always had that Skellington bag, that or... bag. Yeah. They had that bag. You know the bag that they had. And... In it, from, from Americans, I'm sure they get it from Hot Topic. From Hot people Topic. Uh, to be Third Eye. Absolutely, yeah, Third Eye. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of local humour there. Yeah. Um, you know, very local. And, you know, and there's a good reason why it is. It's um, a very enduring musical. The songs are, you know, excellent for the reasons that they are excellent. The It was one of the pioneers of stop-motion anim- animation. So while it wasn't the first by any means, it was amongst the first of that type and budget and distribution to be put out on, you know, in a major studio uh, by Disney. It's one of the first big hits of stop motion. In fact, it was nominated at the time. This is how old-fashioned it was for the Best Visual Effects Oscar, which they give to uh, animation films when they do something for the first time. They gave Mm -hmm. the same Oscar nomination to Toy Story when uh, it was a marvel to have CGI animation. It mixes 2D animation, um, 3D animation, little bits of 3D animation with the stop motion just to kind of paste over the cracks. And it positions itself excellently because it does become the film that you watch either at the end of Halloween, somewhere in November, somewhere before Christmas, because it's about that transition Mm -hmm. from... uh, from uh, Halloween to Christmas is that sort of it weird gets feeling. Two and a half, three months, exactly isn't it, of, of watchability, and that's why at Disneyland Halloween, when Halloween comes around, it's taken over by the uh, the crew. 
Uh, and you know, it's excellent for all the reasons that you remember it being excellent. It's it's a good musical, like on on its own, the musical numbers stand up as just good mu- musical numbers, rather than what we usually get in animation with, where it's sort of the idea of well, it's good for it's it's an animated musical, mm-hmm. which is to separate it from real musicals. Whereas I think music snobs, musical snobs, do include this film as. A musical. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd be interested to know a how many copies of the soundtrack they've ever sold, and b I've, there's also there's a like they did a, a an album where they got multiple famous stars to do most of them either emo bands or people like Marilyn yes. Manson to do covers of the songs um, and and things. So you know you don't get many. You don't see Moana as good as Shiny and stuff is. You don't see them getting exactly. a, a, like yeah. a pop version of all those songs and the, and people still probably. I can't imagine people are going to be listening to all the songs from Moana in thirty years time. Maybe one or two, but mm-hmm. like all the way through, there's four or five songs in this in this that people still listen to. Well, exactly that, and that's something that's kind of only really reserved for very respected mm-hmm. musicals. Um, it's not perfect. Um, I think that. I, I remember a few weeks ago when we did that um, making up our own drinking movie drinking games and you pointed out that uh, Sally is sexually harassed quite a lot in this film. And I'm watching it today to, to for this. And it's not just sexual harassment. She's bullied. She's gaslit. She's ignored. Like and then she, and then the Lothario hero who ignores her for the whole movie yeah, comes along and, in and says, actually, yeah. I do fancy you. And, you know, that does leave a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. The musical numbers are all good, but some of the singers are not, um, because uh, it does a funny thing. Uh, Chris Sarandon plays Jack speaking voice. Danny Elfman plays the singing voice. Um, plays a singing Which voice. Is, you can tell. It's, and you, you can tell. tell it's it's, it, they do not sound alike. No. And, but it was, it's good because it's a musical, so, you know, the more important thing is the musical numbers. And to get someone who is actually musically accomplished... It's a good idea, but, um, you know, uh, Catherine O'Hara for the best will in the world is a little bit wobbly. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Rubens is a little bit wobbly. And you, then you have people who are clearly musical singers, like, uh, I can't remember his name, but whoever plays Oogie Boogie. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this is the business. And when Danny Elfman is like, oh, yes, here we go. But sometimes you get actors singing, which is like, they're fine. Just fine if they're Ewan McGregor. Yeah, if you're Ewan McGregor. But if you're the guy who plays the mayor and you can barely <laughs> hit the right key, then that's, that's a problem. And there are issues with, while it is a pioneer of stop-motion animation, for all those reasons I mentioned, like, it's brilliant, it's amazing. Like you said before, sometimes in stop motion you can see like seams, and you, this is very much the mayor's face is the, the worst mayor's face it. is you know you can see where they slot in. He's getting a lot of um, he's getting a lot of hate from us. The mayor, fucking mayor, fuck, fuck yeah. that cunt. Uh, but you know, a lot of slot, wow. slot a <laughs> lot of slotting in of eyes, a lot of neck seams popping out, a lot of strings on display. But, you know, that's to be expected in the film. It's 1993, I think it was. And it was pretty low budget. Exactly. So I I don't want to slag that off too much, but it is sometimes noticeable. Um, But it's because this film is very good, so you kind of have to go for the nitpicks. Yeah, I I really like it. It's it's a one of my kind of two or three Christmas movies that I'll watch every Christmas. Um uh, yeah, pretty much without fail. Something it gets very right is brevity as well. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Not Brilliant. even. Yeah, it's it, about an hour and 17 it's or something. Like, which is perfect. It gets on with the story. It picks a story. 
it goes with it. It's often with musicals, they'll do the musical bit and then they'll tell you everything they told you in the musical bit <laughs> afterwards and then add an extra half an hour in for the musical bits. Whereas this, actually, the music uh, felt very, integ- you know, it's integral to it and it tells the story and tells you the characters and what they're thinking and works really well from that point of view. Um, I actually think the animation in a lot of ways is better than a lot of stop motion that comes out now. That I was particularly like the Christmas lights on the buildings. I was really impressed how that was all done. So pretty. Um, I, I, I really liked the, the character design. So obviously Tim Burton did, no, did produced Nightmare Before Christmas, did a lot of the, I think he wrote the whole script, didn't he? Or was heavily involved he in the script? Wrote the, the um, he, yeah, he wrote the story because it was based on a poem that he yeah. wrote. And um and obviously did a huge amount of the kind of character design. There were that those kind of like spiky what they were called probably they call them tumblr sexy men now kind of style (laughs) (laughs) that kind of style of drawing is very um um, very kind of um him very tim burton and stuff so you could tell the character design and then later on obviously he did that one with johnny depp and canon of carter the corpse bride and obviously the animations techniques and things have moved on hugely since then but actually the character design does not look as good in my opinion it looks a bit ott and a bit flat yeah it kind of looks somehow manages to be over designed and under designed at the same time whereas i feel like this is really perfect and that's actually one thing i with pinocchio i didn't really like the character design that much pinocchio's was okay but everything outside of pinocchio i I, thought pinocchio was serviceable but that nothing more yeah but i did not like geppetto's look i thought it looked like a like a china christmas ornament and stuff and I just, I, I don't know, I didn't like the, whereas this, I thought that, I just think the general design of everything is, is really good. Just little things like Oogie's kids having the, the bath, with the, you, they go and wind up at the back and the little <laughs> feet that move and, and all that kind of stuff. So no, there's, there's a lot I really like about it. I do think there's some, yeah, I think the Sally character is incredibly, the way it's written is incredibly misogynistic and I don't think you get away with writing that 30 years later almost. Um I uh, probably written in the 90, uh, late 80s, early 90s as well, because obviously it takes a lot away to make. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I think there are some cracks in it from uh, um, like the voice acting and musical acting. I actually think some of the voice acting I'm not that a fan of. I think some of it sounds very kind of like almost like an anime dub at points. Like some of the voice acting is, is quite Jack's speaking voice. I've always had a bit of a problem with because he just sounds so different and it's very much like I'm actor man hey Sally what are you doing here yeah and also like Oogie's kids the way they sound two of them sound over the top and one of them sounds really flat and so I think there are issues like that that don't maybe gel together but again like you say it's it other than the, the misogyny, maybe it's not nitpicking. But outside of that, I think most of what we're saying is nitpicking. It I very think much it's is. a very tight film that gets on with its story very well, has great music in it, and is the, the set design and the production design is, is fantastic. Um, and of, of its time, it was one of the best. I think that's one of the only times I've ever heard you say, it's a good movie, could have done with being 15 minutes shorter, which is something I think I've heard you say <laughs> And every single movie ever made throughout the history of it, the entire history, every time we come out of the cinema, that was really good. Yeah, it could have done with being about 10 minutes shorter, but yeah, it was really good. 
And I, I've, I'm just an editor in my head. I'm always <laughs> yeah. like, just make it short. Brevity, brevity, brevity. I got bored in this bit. If I start, I have a rule in a film. If I start thinking about something else in the film, then it's not doing something right. There is only one moment in this movie. I do have that moment, that that kind of thought. Uh, it's after when he introduces the song, where he introduces Sandy Claus to like, and the ruler of this town is Sandy Claus. And then there's about a five to ten minute gap where he's pondering a bit and you know he's going what what's up with this christmas thing and sally breaks out of her owner's house um, which is a also a slightly creepy part I suppose of it. frankenstein frank yeah it is i know I, I, I understand that um and there's about five ten minutes where they just seem to be going what's jack up to and jack's like what's christmas about and that's always the point it's like right cup of tea time i think let yeah. this play on in the background and get the cup of tea. But that's, again, a good, very nitpicky. There's, there's still a three out of five song in there and there's still oh, no, it's stuff not, going it's on. It's between the two songs. I thought there is a song. I thought it's the one where the, everyone in the, the, the town's going, what's Jack doing? What's Jack doing? Well, that's when it starts up again. Right, but it, okay. It is a kind of, it's a five, six minute, which for a 17-minute movie is quite a long quite stretch. A little, yeah. And that's the only kind of bit where I go, right, time to make a cup of tea, I think. Mm. But, you know, again, these are tiny picks. It's just so that we can be objective as best yeah. as we can. Exactly. But no, great movie. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. If you have seen it, watch it again because it's Christmas. Yes. So why aren't you watching it again? <laughs> Excellent. So I think that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Don't bully the audience. Well, I shouldn't talk. I call them time-wasting parasites. Yeah, I don't think that's bullying. I think that is a good Just suggestion. suggestion. Yeah, no. Anyway. I can't talk. Pinocchio. No, oh. scores are numbers on the doors. Numbers on the doors. Um, seven out of ten, I think. Um, it's really solid. Um, it's not flawless. And there are kind of structural elements that I would change. But unfortunately, those structural elements are ingrained in the film because of the decision to change its setting, um, and which I think brings a better overall positive. So you kind of take the baggage with the good there. Um, but it does have odd flaws here and there. Um, so I, I think it's um, very well animated, although it's more uh, grounded than it is fantastical, except for in certain places. Um, voice acting is very good. The story is very moving, very touching. It is too long by about half an hour. And again, you take the good with the bad because they bring in that new leg Still of the think story. They could have cut it down a bit. You could trimmed it a bit. Prob- they probably could have, but I think. It, Even 15 minutes. It, it brings some baggage with it. And unfortunately, you get some good, you get some bad, but the bad does knock a point or two off it. So 7 out of 10 for that. Yeah, interesting. Um, I would agree pretty much on all of that. My biggest issue is it's half an hour too long, which is a long time to be too long in a kid's movie. I still think you could have got the scissors out and and cut it down even with leaving in the... moving it to 1930s or 40s Italy, which I actually think is a positive. I liked that. I liked yeah, that. Yeah, overall, that's very much a positive. Um, and yeah, I thought that worked. Um, voice acting was all great, although there wasn't, I don't think, a single Italian person in it, which no. is sometimes... It's how you look at these well, things. I prefer that they're keeping their accents yeah, though than doing do that shaky 100%. Italian <laughs> accents. It's me, you and McGregor. <laughs> I am a cricchito. Uh Yeah, exactly. Except for Christoph Foltz, who I don't think was doing his original German accent. I think, if anything, he was just toning his German accent down so. a little bit. I think he was doing, he was doing something. Because I, I, obviously, every time you hear Christoph Waltz, you're like, oh, that's Christoph Waltz. I was like, 
Is that Chris Stafford? It did take Check me a minute. IMDb. It did I, take I, me I a minute. I got it straight away, but I had to think about it. Uh, but yeah, that was good. I, I'm not convinced on the production design. Some of it was excellent, but overall, I actually really liked the Kate Blanchett character's production design, but outside of that, uh, I wasn't that excited by it. Um, actually, quite like the, the car playing rabbits as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I, basically, that whole part of the world, but I wasn't that interested in the grounded world, but... I don't necessarily think that's because it was grounded. I think it was just that I wasn't that interested in the sure. way it was designed. Um, and yeah, overall, though, very good. Much better than the Disney piece of shit that came out earlier in the year. I probably would, because I don't think the original Pinocchio is a perfect animation either. So I probably would put it on par with that and probably says a bit more socially. Um, I also will give it a 7 out of 10. Yes, I think we're very much in line here on, yep. on today's episode. Exactly. And then The Nightmare... Before Crimbo. I think this is a... I was, I was wrestling between two scores, but I think I'm going to settle on 8 out of 10. Um, really well animated. Brevity is key. Um, it's a pioneer, and whatever tiny nitpicks, Sally aside, they are nitpicks, and they're, they're not huge gaping flaws or anything like that. Uh, it's a, There's a reason why it's iconic, both as an animated film and as a musical. There's a reason, much like uh, last week when we talked about how um, Batman Returns had earned its stripes as a cult film amongst certain kind of gothy teenagers of its day, this very much has the same sweep. You can understand in the same way why there'll always be people going to the Rocky Horror Picture Show dressed in character. There'll always be people who go to Hall- as Sally to Halloween or you know, there's a reason and it's because it's very much earned its stripes as a cult film because of how beloved and how well structured and how fun and how good the musical numbers are so yes yeah, good old solid dependable eight out of ten good excellent um i agree with pretty much all the points on that it works very well on every level most of the things that i dislike like you say nitpicks um little issues with the voice acting little issues with the way the voice acting is connected into the the story um whether it's all the music even um and the biggest hole for me is the whole sally thing of it being a bit like now but and i feel like it's it's still probably some of it is a bit inexcusable for 1993 in general it just seems creepy um but hey hey um but yeah so that that's the biggest thing that takes one point away from me but overall it is still one of the dons of christmas movies it's one of the dons of not just stop motion animation animation um and it's you know it's got a cult status for reasons so i'm going to give it a nine out of ten lovely um so yeah so we've given Pinocchio seven and uh night before christmas eight eight and a half between us so both films to go and cuddle up with the family and watch before christmas um pinocchio maybe with a maybe a little bit scarier but yeah that's a siren going past if you can hear that in the podcast exactly uh, anyway and that i think brings us to the end of this episode and i'd like to wish you all a merry christmas and we will be back with a end of year review before the new year something to look forward to thanks a lot and bye i'm not doing it bye <laughs> <laughs> Long ago, told only in your dreams. And the play, I can't remember the opening monologue. That was going to be so good, but no, that was shit. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.